the Doctor must enter a battle of wits with a clever new foe, a renegade Time Lord called the Master, who steals a Nestine power unit with a plan to create Autons to help him destroy humanity. Can the Doctor, Brigadier and new companion Joe Grant outsmart the meddling Master? This is the Terror of the Autons. Welcome to Regenerated. Look, I said I don't want any tea today, thank you. I'm not the tea lady. Then what the place is you doing in here? I don't you know this area is strictly out of bounds to everybody except the tea lady and the brigadier's personal staff? I'm your new assistant. Oh, no. The brigadier sent me along to introduce myself, Doctor. Josephine Grant. How do you do, Miss Grant? But I... I really don't think you're suitable. I'm a fully qualified agent, you know. Cryptology, safe-breaking, explosives. Firefighting? Yes, well, I'm sorry, my dear, but what I need is a scientist. I took general science at A-level. So I'm sure you did, but even so. Hello, and welcome back to Regenerated. I am Matt, and I'm joined, as always, by my sensationally wonderful wife, Becky. Sensationally, is it this week? Yes. Okay. And for the benefit of our listeners, Becky, how are you this week? Not feeling unwell. Well, that makes a change. Well, not not feeling unwell, but not as bad as last week. Okay. So an improvement, at okay. least. So you've improved this week. Yeah, now I just feel a bit woozy, though. Oh, so we might get a, a better rating out of you this week. Are you trying to say is that my ratings and judgments basically depend on the fact of how I'm feeling? Probably. No. Okay. They don't. All right, then. They depend on the episode. That has mm. nothing to do with whether I'm ill, tired, or whatever. Wow. Or in a mood. Speaking of episode, we have the terror of the Autons, the start of season eight. Which you didn't even tell me when we put that on what it was. Well, I, I told you last you just, time. I, I you told just you on the, it, You well, just put it in. You didn't tell me what one it was. Well, I told you on last times or last weeks, shall I say, episode, is that it, the first episode of the season eight is the Terror of the Autons. I did say that. Mm, no, I didn't. It's just to show you never listen, do you, Becky? So, anyway, Maybe it's Terror of the Autons. So, spoiler alert again that it features the Autons. Uh, Eight, uh, yeah, eight, scary looking mannequin people again. 8th of June. Uh, no, sorry. 8th of January to the 23rd of January. 71. Four episodes. Written by a Robert Holmes, who did the Crotons, the Space Pirates, and Spearhead Crotons. from... Yep, and Spearhead from Space, funnily enough. And it was directed by Barry Letts, who did Enemy of the World. What, and were, the, what were the Crotons again? The Crotons were the, um, the robotic kind of... I don't know what you kind of describe them as, but they were kind of big-shouldered, I think, weren't they? I can't remember. It's a while ago since we watched the Crotons. So. Crotons. 
Anyway, and he was also... I wonder wonder if they're called Campbell. Well, yeah. And Barry Letts was also uncredited for last week's Inferno, episodes three to seven. So, yeah. Mm. And I think he's now also the Doctor Who producer. So he produces Doctor Who. So he's quite influential with John Pertwee's Doctor. Mm-hmm. So, Terror of the Autons, Becky. We see the returning Autons. Do you think, before we get into it, they were done better this time than One Spearhead? One that's making me think that I don't want plastic flowers. Mm. Well, yes. Two. We'll, we'll get on to that as well. Um, yes. That to me, doll thing ends up looking like a hairless Gruffalo. There's a lot of firsts in this and first three. serial of season eight. What is with the gigantic heads? Well... Yeah, I don't know really. It's just a, a sort of look, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe it, it was I a don't thing know what's scarier. Them sort of heads or a ventriloquist dummy. Maybe it was um from the seventies, I don't know. Maybe it's something that was I don't you know, know. They say influenced by the seventies. But to be honest, I'm sitting there thinking if there was a carnival with people walking around like that, I'd stay well away. Mm. You know, that just basically they're all proper creepy looking. That's like someone with, you know, that's like, you know, that's like a film Dead Silence where, you know, the woman is so obsessed with her dummies that she wants to be turned into one when she dies. Right, yes. You know. So again, we have that. Kind of, and, we then, have... and then kills people and turns them into ventriloquist dummies. But the point is, you know, ventriloquist dummies are always creepy anyway. Mm. You know, but at the moment, I'm sort of weighing it up. Well, the Autons are quite creepy as well. That's what I mean. And I don't think that's the Autons in themselves that are creepy, like the mannequin sort of ones. That's just the big scary head. So, like I say, the Autons... (laughs) Again, we have that... It's like clowns. We have that debate. all over. You know, clowns are supposed to be cute, you know, funny looking. But no, just creepy. Mm, Yes. So that was before it. Again, we have that debate of why are they called autons? I'm guessing it's autonomous. That's what I'm going to guess it's short for. And the nestrines. Again, nestines. why Why is it nestines and autons? We don't know. We had this debate on Spearhead uh, from space. Yeah. It's just the nestrines seem to nestines. be... Nestines. Thank you. Need uh, Seem to be the actual creature. And the auton seems to be the body in which they inhabit. That's the way I sort of figured it out. Yeah. So this week, because it's only four episodes, we will go through a sort of loose loose little, little plot. Unlike the last four episodes, also I say three episodes where it's been seven episodes have been so much to cram in. So this week we will go through like each ind- individual episode, I think, briefly going through some of the points. Because actually, like I said, there was a few firsts in this one. So it's nice to just go through this one, I think. So episode one starts off at a circus, Becky, going back to your clowns. Don't like clowns. We get a TARDIS sound. I call it a, a TARDIS Demus sounding materialization. Mi- sound. Yes, and it's a different type of um, materialization. It's not like the Doctor's. It's at first, so I thought, oh, maybe he's got the TARDIS working, and you know, at first, but then I was like, no, because I sound different. Yes. Well, actually, and I was like, oh, what, great. <laughs> what materializes is actually like a horse box van. And out of it gets a figure who... It a looks lot more like a camper van to me, but well, there you go. Oh, well. Uh, a figure jumps out who's quite sort of... Um, like an RV. It's it's hard to describe what it's kind like of... It's an RV. Well, he, he's very... 
instrumental, shall we say, with the Doctor. He is like Sherlock Holmes, is Moriarty. He is the master to the Doctor. Yeah, but I still prefer John Sims as the master. I don't. I think Robert Delgado is the best master we will get. Nah, he's Johnson's. just so good. He's he's got them eyes. He's quite sinister. Although, although saying that, when you get into more of New Who, that Missy is quite funny. Mm, yes, I do like Missy. Yeah, but the thing is, you're only talking about the New Who's, Becky, because that's all we really kind of know yeah, about. Yeah, but the only time I really knew about the Master was John Sims. Exactly. Well, you get in the first introduction about him. Yeah, but he is a bit of an ass in it. So. He also is um, a bit like. What was it? There was another. Wasn't there another? We haven't had any more. We haven't had any time lords up until now, really, have we? I can't remember them being. Well, yeah, there is trial. Yeah, there was that, but there was something about like because the master can hypnotize people, Mm. and I swear there was. um, Time meddler. Well, yeah, but he didn't really have any special skill, did he? I swear there was somebody we recently seen who had like a special skill. Well, kind of the doctor, I suppose. I think it, um, I think it was the doctor when he made that that cassette disappear in yeah, Ambassadors of Death. He kind know, of know, make things disappear. You're thinking of that one where um, what was that? Where they had the Daleks come into it, mm-hmm. and the guy that guy Vaughn, v- Tobias Vaughn. That yeah. was um, Cybermen, though. Cybermen, that's it, not Daleks. But he wasn't a Time Lord. He was like a cyborg. This is kind of the first time they're sort of introducing now no, but he Time had, Lords. No, and but he was able to sort of control people. Well, yeah, but... To some degree. I quite like, I like, I quite like this master, this version of the master. I think it's, you well, know... Is that, is that what you're basing your dodgy goatee on? Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, you're a bit lopsided. So, like I say, he hypnotises um, the sort of... He's kind of the runner of the circus, isn't he? I think he's what they class as the ringmaster. Yeah, so he's like sort, sort of personage. runner of the um the circus. Anyway, the master hypnotizes. Sort of like PT Barnum. Then. We then we then get a shot of the actual TARDIS. So it's actually in this uh, story. We haven't really seen it very often no, in the first really. season, but we do actually get to see it. And uh, the Doctor is sort of he's got a bit of a different look this time. He hasn't got the black jacket anymore. He kind of had two different looks, didn't he? He had like a sort of suede type sort of smoking jacket. In um, a, is it red? It's is a red? not suede. Well, it looks like suede to me. It's velvet. Or velvet then. But it was a red one and there was another colour, wasn't there? I can't remember what the other colour was. It wasn't red. It was like a wine burgundy. Well, okay. Being technically... Well, no, because Technical. at the end of the day, a wine burgundy is basically not red, like straight up red. It's like a red with a hint of purple. Mm. Well, he, he has two different changes. It changes colour. I can't remember what the other second colour was, ah. but he's kind of he's kind of moving away from that sort of look from the first series. They're kind of changing the look a little bit more to what I now sort of see as John Pertwee's look. It's more of this sort to of. To be honest, say. I preferred that jacket than the the one he had in the last season. Yeah, he's kind of now. It's a typical cotton of Doctor look. I think it was a black one. Mm, yes, it was in the first series. Then we get introduced to what they're now calling 
um, the Doctor's assistant. They've now gone away from the word companion and it's now being referred or they're being referred to as assistant now. Obviously, we're talking about Joe Grant. We did talk about uh, a little bit last week. She's now come into it. She thinks she's helping the Doctor because he's sort of he's messing about with his dematerialization circuit. Try and say that with no teeth. And he's basically doing an experiment with it to the try and get it to work. Materialization circuit. What well, are you on about saying it with no teeth? It's a little bit of a sort of. No, it's not. Oh, I think it is for me. It is anyway. Anyway, he's doing this yeah, experiment. A There's a lot of smoke, you. and Joe decides to grab a fire extinguisher and basically laces it with foam. To much to the doctor's, um, well, he's not angry, but he's a little bit annoyed, and he doesn't really take to Joe very. Um, very much in the beginning he doesn't really see that he needs a companion we also get told by the brigadier that liz has gone back to cambridge so like we said last week there's no goodbye from liz it's just she's gone back to cambridge there's you know and here's your new assistant so joe's uh background she's she's kind of like i think she's kind of like a spy from what she says she's she's fluent in like espionage and stuff like that isn't she and with a no, little she don't do a good job of women hiding do she well she doesn't know but what's your first impressions of joe then irritating oh you you get irritated by every companion becky yeah because they're so whiny yeah but joe grant is like the doctor's best companion no maybe i should tag her in this video uh maybe i should tag her in this podcast and see if she'll listen and you're just doing that to make me reply. be mean. Reply to... You're just doing that so I won't be mean. <laughs> well, maybe I should. No, I just found a little bit, you know, sort of... I want to say samey well, to pretty much previous people. And I liked Liz. Basically, Joe's... Liz won as screamy. So you must be the only person who likes Liz. If she weren't as screaming. If there are any Liz supporters out there, let us know in the social medias. I'd like to know. And Joe just seems to be one of those people who's like, yeah, well, I'll sit here and do as I'm told. Not, well, you know, and then basically you don't listen the, again. The purpose, of, the purpose of Joe Grant's character is she is kind of the viewer. So she's there to ask the Doctor questions that we as a viewer are asking. So she's kind of like our conduit. To the doctor and the plot. Yeah, but I don't need a conduit. The way it is. I don't need a conduit because I have eyes and ears. But anyway, moving on. So the doctor gets informed that there is a Nestine. Is that the one? Nestine? Yes. Right? Nestine power unit that was in a space museum. It got basically Just think stolen. Just Nestle, but instead of the L, it's an N. Yeah, all other brands of chocolate are out there. Oh no, I prefer Galaxy so that we're not or Cadbury's in <laughs> any way. So, so yeah, it basically gets... Nestle's um, too sweet. It basically gets stolen by the master. And I can say that because my dad used to work for him once upon a time. And basically the master... When it was Macintosh. The master takes it to his radio tower to try and get the other Nestines back to Earth Nestle. to inhabit these Autons. And this is where... The doctor Why ends up going to because if I call them nestings, that would make him think that they're nesting. Well, I don't know. I don't know yeah. where the names come from. They just sort of pop into the writer's head. I'm sorry, but Robert Holmes is no longer with us anymore, so I can't really pop him an email and ask him where he got the name from. Not that he'd probably replied to, even you if you did. You never know. You never know. know. 
You never know. Anyway, so... Well, uh, well, well you say he's dead, but I've got my pendulum downstairs, mm. so you could always ask. Wow. Okay. Well, Without you getting an answer. I think we'll leave that down there. Because the only, only thing is you only get yes or no answers, so... So the Doctor ends up going to the radio tower to try and intercept the Master while he's trying to signal these nestines. While he's making his way up to the top of the tower... This Why would you want to go up there? This TARDIS noise happens that is again. Really high up. This TARDIS noise happens again, all for a man to materialise in the middle of the sky. Yeah, that kind of weirded me. Out. This is a bit strange. Yes, this is this bit is a bit yeah, weird and convoluted. Yeah, very much 1920s sort of 30s attire. Yeah. yeah. Basically, he is a time lord who's come to warn the Doctor of the Master. That's basically what he what he you is. Look pretty it's, dapper though. Really strange. They obviously they have this bit of a rapport. Well, like, I don't. Uh, there's a lot of people that would suit a bowler hat, you know, but I don't think you'd suit a bowler hat. Your head's mm. too big. No. So he's you come know? to warn the doctor about the master. Again, no, there seems to be a rapport. Really there's a rapport here between him and the doctor. So I'm wondering that if this is supposed to be like really if this short. is supposed to be one of the time lords from the trial. I'm thinking maybe. Um, and also, hat. we also get. Uh, information that the Doctor and the Master are known to each other and maybe there's a hint that the Master may be a little bit cleverer than the Doctor because he beat him on the score I think it was yeah exactly I can't remember what it was either but they they did this test thing at the Master beat him in yeah we also get introduced to Yates as well from Unit he's in this one uh, for the first time um, the master then infiltrates, shall we say, a plastics factory, a bit like Spearhead from Space here, because obviously he needs the plastic to create the Autons. Yeah, he's basically so create he wants to creepy dolls. Yeah, he's basically wanting them to invade the Earth, and him being the sort of superior commander, whatever you want to call him, and basically have his own army, I suppose, of plastic mm. menaces to take over the world. Yeah, but the problem is with that is they don't see it that way. Mm, yes. So, in the end, I spoke when they tried to say about dark, you know, Daleks doing dirty work for people, mm. you know, or Cybermen, you know, it always comes back on and bites you in the ass yeah. because, yeah, they they're going to fight for only one purpose and one sole purpose, and that's themselves, mm. not any for anyone else. So, in the end, while the Doctor is at the radio tower, Joe uh, goes off to look at these factories because obviously there's a they're a bit one step ahead a bit because of the spearhead from space experience they know that there's going to be some sort of infiltration of a plastics factory so joe goes there she ends up getting caught by the master hypnotized she goes back to the doctor's lab where they found this unit box which did house the uh, nestrine's power unit Joe ends up opening it, but it's a bomb, and that's the end of the episode. So, episode two, the Doctor ends up just basically picking it up and throw it out the window. One way to do it. Well, it's very, very easy, isn't it? You just throw it into the like the sort of like a lake or something down the bottom. Well, no, and he kind of throws it, it in. What about wildlife in a lake? Oh, well, they don't care about that, do they? Uh, yeah, just bump off a few perch and pike, you know. Mm. So the doctor ends up breaking Joe's hypnosis. Well, trust in the me, end. if you stood on a perch, you'd know bad. I've been there, done that, hurt a lot. Yeah. So then the uh, master has created spines this spines in the fins. Then the doctor has created this new type of plastic. I don't know if it's like a new type of plastic or it's just a new thing, but he basically is getting some. It's a bit of like um, to and a fro and with McDermott who I don't really know because you have 
Mr. Farrell, who's like the runner of the factory, and then there's McDermott, who's I don't know, he's some, we somebody to do with the with the factory. But but I kept thinking his name's McDuff. He's um kind of like pushing back against the master, who then introduces him to this PVC chair, Becky. Yeah, that looked like a really, really bad one inflatable chair that belo- looks like it belongs in someone's sex dungeon. Well, it does a little bit. He yeah, ends up getting... Very, very shiny and very squeaky. He ends up blowing it up and then getting McDermott to sit on it and it ends up just basically sort of folding on itself. It doesn't really swallow Although him. Although I've had but... that. I've had that experience, you know, when we went, when I had to go to Addenbrooke's the first time and there was a bed that was like a wardrobe mm. and you pulled it down... And I slept on the wrong end and it nearly closed me up in it. Mm. So, yeah, for the rest of the time I was there, I literally slept right at the opposite end, practically curled up in a ball. So basically that was the end. So I know how it feels. So that's the end of uh, McDermott. He's obviously killed by the chair. And then there was someone who decided to try and close me up in an actual hospital bed. Mm -hmm. While I was in there when I was pregnant with Dom. Yes. Turns out if you push the up button too far, the bits go up together and, you know. Mm. A little bit later on, Mr. Farrell's father, he comes and has a little bit of sort of uh, pushing back on the master as well. He's then given this doll, which looks like a hideous troll, basically, into the back of the car. No, it looks like a hairless gruffalo. Well, a little bit. It's a bald gruffalo. Well, the master gives it to him and puts him on on his back seat. It's a bald gruffalo. But... When he's sort of driving off, it actually, like, obviously, shock horror comes alive a little bit. So, you know, where that's going in the future. If it didn't look like a giant turd, it would look all right. Mm. The doctor goes to the circus to try and find... Put a bit of hair on it, and hey, presto, you got a troll. Is it... I can't remember. Is it Professor again? A Professor Phillips? Yes. It, it seems to be always a professor. Yeah, well, the, they're not, these professors in this aren't exactly very intelligent if they're easily manipulated. Mm. Well... While he's at the, when he arrives at the circus, Joe's uh, sneaked into the back of Bessie under a blanket, Snuck. which is quite funny. And Snuck. how the doctor doesn't know she's in the back of the chair, uh, the the she's snuck for for Becky there, um, in the back of the car under a blanket. The doctor doesn't realise she's there, which is a bit weird, really, to be honest. Because I always think that you sort of your peripheral vision and your sort of spatial awareness. You kind of know if there's someone in the back of the car. I don't know. How about I try it and see if it well, works? I don't know. Anyway. Although, you know me, that wouldn't work. Anyway, Mr. Farrell or I'm John louder. Farrell, uh, he brought the brings the doll into his home. The doctor then notices this horse box and he goes up to it with like a stethoscope to try and listen in. As he's doing it, he's seized um, by that. So we'll just call him the ring. The What do you call him? Um, the ringmaster. The ringmaster with so a strong like man. A ringmaster. Well, yeah, we'll just call him that because I didn't really get his name. Uh, he's tied up. He gives the name again as Dr. Smith. Again, this is a running thing that keeps, keeps coming up. Joe then spots Phillips uh, at the circus. Back to Mr. Farrell's home with the doll. The doll's actually moved place. It's now by the door, and his wife sort of sees it. The doll then starts to move again and attacks Mr. Farrell while his wife's out the room and obviously kills him. Back at the circus, Joe helps the doctor to escape from his bonds from this... Um, it's kind of like yeah, a caravan, isn't it? It's kind of like a mm-hmm. caravan. 
only for then Phillips to walk in with a grenade. He kind of fights the hypnosis, runs out of the caravan with a grenade and ends up killing himself. The Doctor then takes the Master's uh, TARDIS dema- dematerialization circuit. See, I told you it was a tongue twister for me. Uh, from the word his tongue twister is a tongue twister for you. I know, I know. All of a sudden, a police turn up as a mob of the circus people swarm around the doctor. They kind of um, ferry the doctor and Joe into the police car, only for then the doctor and Joe to get a little bit suspicious. One of the police officers turns around and then they rip the mask off to reveal an auton, and that's the end of episode two. So I quite like that cliffhanger. I think that's a really good one. Especially like this mm. sort of Mission Impossible type, you know, face know. face ripped off the I've Auton to reveal Impossible. it. Well, I know you haven't, but for the listeners out there, they might have. Because I just think, you know, what I saw all over again. They should make too many. Well, I don't know, actually. The Mission Impossible films are actually quite good. If you like that sort of thing. Exactly, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, well, I don't. So episode three, they're able to get out of the car, um... But the Autons get out and sort of pursue the Doctor and uh, Joe as they have to hide. Unit then arrive because they've followed the car. There's a bit of a firefight again with massive explosions and sort of things. Only for the Doctors to say, you know, bullets don't hurt the Autons. Yates, in quite dramatic fashion, runs around, gets in the car and ends up driving one of them off a cliff of this quarry. And down he goes. So again, this is what I was saying about that stunt team that they have now, yeah. doing all these big, like massive stunts. Uh, this is another one, but it doesn't really stop the Auton. He just sort of gets up and starts to climb back up. They escape in the car, only for them back in the lab, the Doctor, to put the Master's circuit into his. It doesn't work. It ends up going nowhere. There's smoke coming out because the, uh, the TARDIS of the Master is a Mark. What? Two. Yep, and the Doctor's is... A Mark One, yes, yeah, so it doesn't really work. But obviously, the Doctor's taken his circuit, so now the Master can't leave Earth. So he's uh, exactly like the Doctor; he's exiled onto Earth. So this kind of now is sort of the thread for the season: is that it's basically the Doctor versus the Master mm-hmm. and battle of wits and wills. So it's quite nice, like I say, to have that sort of Mar- Moriarty character to the Doctor here, and that sort of battle of wills. Then we get a scene of uh, the big-headed Autons giving out daffodil flowers, which come into play uh, a little bit later on. So, yeah, that look of the Autons with the big heads, I think is quite... Creepy. Yeah, and I think it's one of them. It's like um, the Autons supposedly breaking out the window when they don't, you just hear it. It's kind of that sort of iconic look that you kind of remember from this serial if you think terror of the autons you think of that look and that's kind of what people are reminded when they give out the flowers they go back into this coach with um farrell is in it as uh, sort of ferrying about and they're kind of waiting for the master to come yeah they the doctor is informed uh, that there is this like wave of death they call it a wave of death across the county but to be honest there's only two people it's only McDermott and Mr. Farrell. And they said a couple of people died. Well, but we don't really know who they are. No. We don't really see that bit. So they go and question Mrs. Farrell. Because they said that none of the others were connected apart from the first two. Mm. So they go and question Mrs. Farrell, who said about Colonel Masters. So obviously the Doctor then realises it's actually the Master. 
Inside uh, unit, there is this telephone man who's putting in a new uh, corded telephone. It's really weird to see corded telephones, Becky, especially in this day and age that we live in with everything's being wireless. Yeah. Um, but this uh, man is putting it in well, because... I grew up with a corded telephone. Wow. I think we did as well, but you're talking about like, what, 20 90s. years ago? For me, it's like 20 years ago. Yeah, really. 90s. Now, we're just so used to having mobile phones. Well, you you don't really do much on yours. Mm. Well, you just use mine <laughs> if you need to make a call last mm. time. So while the doctor is questioning Miss Farrell, she says about this doll. He ends up taking the doll back to the lab and sort of uh, inspecting and test it. The doctor then, after sort of fiddling about with the doll, decides that he's going to take the brigadier to the factory. And so he leaves. The telephone man then goes back into the coach with the autons in, rips off the mask. Again, it's the master. So we know now that that telephone is not really what it seems. Yates then turns on a Bunsen burner with Joe in the room. He goes off to make, uh, he goes off to get um, a tin of cocoa, I think is what he says. While Joe is trying to chase up some supplies that the doctor needs, the doll then comes alive and ends up attacking Joe, only for then Yates to come back in and shoot and basically destroy the doll, which is a bit strange because you can't destroy the Autons with normal bullets, yet this little doll thing, you can, even though I'm guessing they're made out of the same plastic. Yeah. I, I don't understand like how you can destroy this doll with normal bullets, but you can't destroy the Autons yeah. with bullets. Quite strange. The Doctor and Brigadier then go to the factory where they find that it's actually empty. They end up finding a daffodil on the floor, so they end up getting one. The Doctor then's tinkering at this safe. He ends up opening the safe door, only for there to be an auton inside of it. I like this one. This was a quite good moment. I think if you didn't know the story, and I, like I knew the story, I think if you didn't know, that's quite a good moment i think to have that auton just sort of sitting in there maybe we could but, do with one of them for when you know the kids try and nick stuff out of the cupboard but it's, it's a really weird moment because you have to put all your faith in it that the doctor's going to open that safe yeah why is there an auton in there do with an auton in the cupboard stop the kids nicking food but i don't understand like why there's an auton sitting in a safe waiting for the doctor <laughs> to open it it's just like I say, it's so circumstantial. He could be sitting there for like 15 years before he opens up. I know, I know. You know. So, yeah, it's just a weird little plot well, point. Well, maybe because the master knows what the doctor's like and mm. he knows he can't help himself. Maybe. Back at the lab, the doctor... Just sort of... like the kids nicking stuff out of the cupboard. See, we should have yeah. an auton in the cupboard. Maybe, yeah, that would solve a lot of things. Yeah, including my food budget. The doctor then figures out that he thinks it's heat that is making these things come to life. The phone then rings. He goes to the phone, only for it to be the master on the other end. He uses this like sort of remote control hypnosis. It's got to be like it's a power. It must be a power source or something for the phone because the cable ends up wrapping around the doctor, and it's a really good little effect that I think as well. Mm. So that's the end of episode three. So last episode, episode four, the brigadier rushes in, pulls the cable out, and then basically we get the doctor says that the master can put power into any plastic thing. Which makes you think, you know, there is quite a lot of plastic in the world as well nowadays. Well, especially when people are saying, you know, there's too much plastic wastage and the oceans are filling with plastic. Yeah, just a tad. In the end, the Doctor tries that's, to that's, put... It's literally like saying that the Master has control over baby wipes that seem to cover the majority of the Thames. 
Yes. Well, the doctor puts flames into the daffodil flower, but doesn't really work. So obviously it's not flame or heat. The doctor then is starting to put together the sort of sort of idea of what the master's trying to achieve here. The, um, you know, with like the tour that the autons are on with the flowers and the coach and everything like that. Once again, the uh, unit wants to just basically use rockets and destroy another living organism, which the doctor, you know, is quick to comment on and say, you just want Mm. to blow any intelligent life up to kingdom you know and that is the truth they do they they literally just shoot first and ask questions later um i don't think there's a chance to ask questions later once they're dead so the coach with the autons is in this quarry and that's where the the uh that's where unit wants to send this rocket strike so joe then tries to radio the brigadier to ask for a bit more time with this radio, uh, with this uh, rocket strike, only for then the flower to start moving. The doctor then realizes that actually it's radio signals, or did he say short wave radio signals? Yeah. I think is what's actually, um, you know, controlling the uh, the plastic or the autons and that. The daffodil ends up squirting plastic into the face of Joe and it ends up covering her nose and her mouth. This That'd be an easy condom, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, and this is a nice little effect as well. I quite like just this. Get, just aim it, squirt it in the right place, and hey, presto. Yeah. Sword. Yeah, and I, like Impenetrable. I say, very nice effect, this, and um, very nice plot point, I thought, as well. The Doctor ends up saving her, and then the plastic melts with carbon dioxide, which I always think is a weird plot point, though, that bit. Because if you've got it on your face, they've said that, you know... breathing out carbon dioxide, technically melt. Yeah, exactly. These people have it on their face, and he says within 10 minutes you die, and then it disappears because there's no plastic on these people who have died. Mm. And he's like, well, what happens to it? Oh, it's carbon dioxide. Maybe because people, when they die, excel more carbon dioxide after they die than what they do um, while they're actually normally breathing. Mm, Maybe. The master comes into the doctor's lab... And they have this little bit of like um, kind of banter is kind of, yeah, banter between the doctor and the master here. Joe then comes in, distracts the master slightly. The doctor then tells the master about his circuit and that he's actually stuck here on Earth. Joe lets slip about the uh, the the rocket strike on the quarry. The doctor, the master and Joe end up arriving at the quarry only for then unit to have to abort the strike which they do again in that sort of like last minute scenario as things always sort of occur the doctor and joe are tied up in that coach only for then the master to take what he thinks i shall say is his circuit the doctor then uses his foot on the brake light to do morse code to the unit and to be fair they're spelling it out and it's quite a lot of words that a unit are having to sort of write down. So to me, he's pushing that pedal for quite a long while without the master or the autons actually seeing it. So it's quite that's quite a funny little point. Joe ends up escaping her bonds because the doctor makes a comment of, "Well, is is one of your specialties escapism?" And she says, "Well, yeah." So so actually, she's quite useful here because she ends up helping the doctor to escape his bonds. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a bit daft, really. Mm. They move the coach closer to the radio tower 
where the doctor but and Joe ends up jumping funny, out of the coaches as moving. Well, pit, you're not an escapologist. Yeah, and she is. So again, so she has some. No, that just here. means that they probably tied them really crap. Well, who knows? Yeah, I made so yeah, doctor, there. doctor and Joe jump out of the coach. The coach stops. There is once again another firefight between Unit and the Autons. Again, bullets don't hurt the Autons. So why are they in a firefight with them? They're just going to keep coming. It's quite strange. The master then runs up and scales up the tower. He moves the disc to try and call in the Autons, only for then the Doctor and the Master to have to work together to shut down the power. Because as the Doctor rightly points out, is that when the Nestrines come to Earth, they're not going to know the difference between the Master and everyone else. And they're basically going to treat the Master as he like everyone else. So then the Master then realises and comes to his senses that actually I may have to stop, you know, stop this plan in its tracks now so that's what he does they end up shutting the power down the nestrines or the autons end up sort of slumping to the ground the master then disappears from the tower he ends up running into the coach a guy who looks like the master so we say gets comes out of the door to the coach with his hands up tries to shoot unit shoot back and kill him they go over to him rip the mask off it's mr farrell they the coach ends up then leaving and disappearing down the road. And then we get to the end of the episode where they said that the Master is basically stuck and exiled on Earth. And he will come, basically, they all cross paths again with the Doctor. And the Doctor leaves with a, I'm quite looking forward to it. And then yeah. that's the end of Terror of the Autons. So, now that I've gone through some of the points, what do you think of the Terror of the Autons, Becky? Um, is it better than Spearhead and Space, shall we say, first off? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's better. I think they've they've took a, a a monster here and really run with it and used it to its full potential. Bringing in the master as a master stroke, you know, yeah. mind the pun. It's very good to have this um, sort of foe to the doctor. It works really well when he's got someone to bounce off. You saw that with the time meddler. It was really really good with the yeah. time meddler and William Hartnell. Now you know for John Pertwee's Doctor, he's kind of got his time meddler. It's a shame they never said that the time meddler was the master. They could have had like a little bit of history there, and they could have just renamed the time meddler and said, "Oh, he used to be the time meddler. Now I'm the master." You know, mm-hmm. because he does say um, when the um, time lord ends up warning the Doctor, he actually does say. Oh, that guy. Well, he's a med. He, he meddle. You know, he, he, I swear he says the word meddling. I swear, I swear it's in there. I'd have to watch it again to see um, if it was there. But I swear there's like a little hints to maybe he might be the time meddler. Mm. But anyway, we're now getting more of the time lords into this now as well. Um, again, John Pertwee is on form in this one. I just really, really like the the story. I think it's a really good one. Four episodes as well. Just enough. Yeah. I really do think the four episode format is the best format for Doctor Who. Yeah. Because you, like I say, you can overstretch the song. Uh, you can overstretch the story. Yeah. And this one doesn't, much. you know. And they had some really cool moments, like with the doll, even though it's a bit dodgy CGI and a effects doll? of the time. But it's quite it's cool. It's not a doll, it's a bald Graffoli. You know, and there's like them. Several mask reveals as well. And also now we know that the master is a master of disguise. So he's going to come back at some point in disguise. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's good to exile him on Earth with the Doctor. Because like we said in season seven, it kind of was... The stories were very much 
very boxed you know it was like a drill a drilling facility or a nuclear power plant or yeah. you know a factory you know it's kind of very well, kind of stuck aren't they yeah but he's now got a foe that he has to then outwit and go yeah. against so it's a little bit easier to sort of write in some more sciencey bits like creatures from outer space being called down to earth by the master you know mm. you know i just think it really really works yeah i know what you're saying but so um so that's what I was going to say. We've actually now started to delve into the Blu-ray box sets. So the Blu-ray transfer, it's okay. It's not going to be perfect for to this era. To be honest, era. I don't even notice. Yeah, well, I noticed it in the title sequence. In the title sequence, you can see that, you know, when it says Terror of the Autons episode, really like it's more crisper. I don't the title sequence because it, it makes me worried about how panicky I'd get if I, got, if I was ever stoned or if anyone else was watching it and never stoned. Well, I'm sorry, but it's part of the, part of the experience is the title sequence. Why? Oh, I don't know. So only if you're stoned. Well, okay. So if we go to the episode poll, as we always do, this one came in at number fifty-nine. It's like if you watch Fantasia when you're stoned. Mm. So fifty-nine in the poll, Becky. It's pretty creepy. Fifty-nine in the poll. Fifty-nine. Yep, fifty-ninth mm. in the poll. So it's quite high up. So it's really quite thought of. I think um, with John Pertwee's stories, they are quite high on the poll. To be fair, but if we then go to Mark. Uh, Campbell's episode guide verdict the Autons barely feature in this tackier but more exciting remake of Spearhead from Space the various plastic related remake? well we'll get into that in a minute the various plastic related killings are gleefully inventive an 8 out of 10 He's only saying it's a remake because it features the Autons. That's the only yeah. reason why you can say it's a remake. It's, it's not a remake. It's a sequel. There's a difference. Because you could, you could say well, that... Yeah, because the other thing shooted down from the sky. That yeah, but you could say that like, the 10th Planet and Tomb of the Cybermen, you could say Tomb of the Cybermen is a remake of the 10th Planet. I th- tube. I s- tomb of the Cybermen. <laughs> He's a tube. <laughs> is like a remake of the 10th Planet. So, you know... And I think he even said that in his verdict. Mm. It To me, it's not a remake. It's just they took the best points of Spearhead mm. and used them to better a better advantage. Now, 8 out of 10, I kind of think that's right rating. I'd say a 7 well, or a 7.5. Well, I thought you were feeling better this week. I am, but I still say it's a 7 or 7.5. I won't push to an 8. Well, I don't know. I say, it's, I say he's got it right, but there. So, yeah, that one is Terror of the Autons. Let us know in the social media what you think of Terror of the Autons. Or maybe you should just basically buy me chocolate and then I'd be happier while watching it and then I'd be more likely to give a higher rate. Well, we'll have to see. So, <laughs> um, next week there won't... I only do Galaxy and Cadbury's. Next week there won't be an episode because uh, we're going to have to take a week's Although, break. Although... I would say that, but I don't like Milk Tray, but I do like Nestle Black Magic. Mm, okay. So, let's say next week there won't be an episode because we're going to have a little bit of a break because my parents are actually flying over from Spain. So, we're going to have a couple of weeks with them. So, there won't be no episode next week. Um, but when we do come back after that, it'll be the mind of evil. 
Yeah, so, and they'll, so and it's then, taken then after they, you when, then, Becky. And this when one. they go home, they'll probably take some with them. Maybe yes. Well, not that there's any sun. So this one, this next story is uh, taken after you. The mind of evil. I knew you'd like that one. You know. So this one's back to six you episode try to say, You try to say I'm evil. Mm. Don't you're, start because I'll start singing "Evil Woman" in a you're, minute. You're giving John Pertwee under undervalued ratings. Yeah, but that's not him. That's the problem. Well, no. It's the stories well, of other story. people. This is a good story. And so, the Mind of Evil, I think, is a good one as well. And so. I, I'm not, I don't have a mind of evil. Well, I think we'll quickly move on then. You're asking, we All slapped. Right. So six episodes next week, so it'll be probably a more looser format than this week's one. So I think before Becky, like she says, slaps me, um, we'll leave it there and uh, I'll say goodbye. And say goodbye, Becky. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.